Today's podcast is brought to you by the engagedinvestor.ca, helping you find and present to joint venture partners. Get your free video training right now at engagedinvestor.ca forward slash breakthrough. Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 27. And welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me once again, for your listening pleasure, Sandy McKay. Hey Rob, how are you doing tonight? Good, Good. man. Awesome. We've got a guest here in the background with us, Jeff Barco, getting ready for a big interview coming up. Hello, everyone. How, how are you tonight, Jeff? Very well, thanks. Doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Okay, cool. We're going to get to your interview in just a minute. But at first, we want to mention that everyone should go over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. And I think I just got an email, Sandy, saying that uh, our new one's going to be going up in a couple days. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Finally getting that up and going um, a better version of what was there before. So should be easier to manage and uh, find all our episodes. Yeah, it looks really cool. I saw a preview for it, and so it should be up. Well, it'll probably be up by the time you're hearing this show. So everyone should go check that out, definitely. And you will also still be able to pick up our free gift, the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now. It's an awesome uh, little free giveaway on how to make the most out of your rental properties. And Jeff is definitely going to teach us how to do that even more. Definitely go for a deeper dive into that direction. But you know what? That's a good start with our giveaway. So go over and get that at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. And while you're there, you know, check out everything else that's on the site, the brand new site. Um, you'll have our bios, you know, all of our blog posts, links to our services, and all kinds of other things at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. And, of course, Rob, I want to recommend everyone go over to iTunes, leave us a review, give us a five-star rating. It helps us build our listeners and, you know, helps us create more value for everybody. So definitely go there and do that. Give us a five-star rating. Okay, cool. Yeah. Man, we've got – we're not going to do it too much, but there's so much to talk about. We're not going to eat up all the time with our stuff because we got a guest on with us. So we want to get into his thing. But just real quick, you know, both of us have been super busy doing things. And I uh, was telling you just before the show, Sandy, that I've closed uh, on Friday on my next fix and flip. And it's, I'm pretty excited about it because it's basically a paint and cleanup flip, which is pretty awesome. A week long flip? Well, hopefully. But I mean, (laughs) the work portion of that should be maybe three or four days. 
So yeah, that's super exciting. And uh, this is the kind of deals I want to do more of. Well, talk more about that because people are going to be like, what the hell? How, what kind of, how do you flip something that quick? Well, like I said, it's because I see, I don't know, Sandy, I don't know if you know this, but I'm pretty good at finding undervalued off market properties. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, I've, uh, I was going to JV on this one actually, but you know, my good friend and our good friend, Quentin D'Souza, you encouraged me to try and do it by myself. Right. So I, I didn't think I was going to be able to, I thought I was sort of at my lending limit, but, uh, it goes to show what I know. And anyway, so he encouraged me to try and do it by myself and I went ahead and, and managed to get that done. So it's pretty cool that uh hey i'm gonna be able to keep all the money myself i like that i can use that you know it's sort of the next step in my transition out of that out of that full-time rat race job and how did you find it uh it was uh interesting i was actually looking at this place last year it was a private deal you know just from my marketing i went and looked at it last year and it was kind of a mess. The upper unit was, had really bad tenants in it, and they, they, there was, we, <laughs> when I went through it, they had uh, one room that we couldn't see because the dogs were in there, you know, and they were like scratching and barking at the door while we were walking through, and there was fist holes in the wall everywhere. Somebody maybe had a bad temper, I guess. Uh, but when I when I went back again this year, I saw that the bottom floor was vacant, and I called the guy back. I said, are you still interested in selling? Because I think I might be able to do something with it now. And he said, yeah, you know, it's been all renovated uh, upstairs. And I went back, and sure enough, it was beautiful. They had redone everything and put some uh, really awesome tenants in up there. And so I said, let's just keep the main floor vacant. I'll buy it from you like this. And, you know, really, it's the basement. It's just the basement of the, so it goes main floor basement is one unit, and then the second unit is on the top floor. So really it's just the basement of the main unit that needs just a bit of, just a bit of work. I'm not touching anything else. Well, there's one window that I'm replacing in the, uh, in the main floor unit. So you negotiated a pretty sweet deal, obviously, right? Yeah, 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 to be able to do that, put it back up. Well, you know, the market's hot right now, so we'll see what happens. I'm yeah. uh, I'm kind of hoping that it goes for over asking, but isn't everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited, so I guess I'll know by the next time we talk, because my plan is to have it sold in the next week anyway. <laughs> and you just closed on it a week ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going live. Uh, what? Tomorrow. Mm. Hold it for a month, maybe. Hopefully. We'll see. Cool. All right. Well, I, I don't have too much going on. We're trying to close on this property. I've been trying for over a month. And the sellers uh, keep telling us they're not ready to close. So um, I guess by next episode, we should be into it, uh, into the project. We can update it a bit more. Other than that, um, yeah, I don't know. Not much else to say tonight, Rob. We can probably get into the interview. Okay. You're not looking at any other properties, just kind of waiting for that to happen. Is that right? Basically. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, you're doing well still, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I guess let's get into the interview then. So we've got a a great interview with uh, Jeff Varco, and he runs Cornerstone Select Properties in Hamilton, right? That's correct, yes. You do a lot of property management, and so that's what we're going to focus on today. And I hope it's okay if we get a little bit technical with some of the questions, because I know 
what I've always found anyways, is I'm trying to get more educated in this kind of stuff is that a lot of questions that are sort of on the technical side get left unanswered in regards to property management. So we're going to, I think, do a little bit of a different kind of interview here and try and get some answers to the maybe not so common questions. Yeah, feel free and far away. I've got lots to share and, and be happy to do that tonight. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, Cornerstone Select Properties. Yeah, well, uh, much like you guys, uh, I myself am an investor. Uh, been uh, been so for about the past eight years and investing in around the Hamilton area, own multiple properties. Pretty early on, that's uh, that's what really got me into property management. I bought my first property. It was a triplex up on Hamilton Mountain and purchased that and thought, wow, it was it was a private sale actually, so I didn't have a, a great agent to represent me. I was on my own and uh, and and the seller was actually an agent, so I was kind of up against uh, somebody who was experienced. And at the time I had, I had little to, to no experience at all in the market. So I, uh, I learned pretty quickly, let's to say the least. And, uh, and it turned out really well. And then about three months into owning the property, uh, the tenant gave notice and she was going to vacate. And I went, Oh goodness, what do I do? Yeah. Um, and I had no idea, no knowledge, wasn't sure what the next steps were. And you just figured it out, did a lot of research, went through the process and, and realized I really, really enjoyed that whole process. But I also quickly realized that the key to a successful, uh, Real estate investment, obviously a great purchase goes a long way, but once you have a property, is good management, being able to make sure you you know how to handle your tenants. So at the same time, I was looking to do do it on a full-time basis as far as becoming an entrepreneur, and I realized it was going to happen in real estate. And over the next uh, few years after that, built up property management business and made a lot of good contacts. And uh, yeah, so about five years ago, took it full-time and been doing it ever since, and it's uh, been a great experience. So that's, that's kind of how I got started as an investor. And built a property management business around the investor mindset, making sure that the tenants are being well looked after, but more importantly, the uh, the properties being well looked after and then often they go hand in hand. So the company I started, obviously, Cornerstone Select Properties are based in Hamilton, service the greater Hamilton area, covers everything from St. Catharines to Brantford to Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, Phil Burlington, Mississauga areas, and even up to Toronto for some select clients as well. So, Oh, wow. So it sounds like you, you guys are huge. Yeah, well, huh. On the grand scale, perhaps not. About 400 units under management, uh, 20 plus employees, and and probably 150 buildings. I guess that we look after. So, well, that's so great. It's, it's, it's not a one man show. Keeps me busy, but uh, uh, we got a great team behind us. Now I'm going to need to pick your brain about growing a property management business like that. Yeah, well, at some uh, point, not not on this show, but at some together. other time. <laughs> yeah, that's a show unto itself. But yeah, exactly. To okay. Um, well, so. When do you find that most people, most property owners, investors would decide to go with property management as opposed to doing it themselves? Is it is it more when a problem arises or just when they get too busy or, or is it when they just want to step back and become more passive in their investment? Yeah, I mean, I would think a lot of people probably had the same um, the same realization that I came to when I when I first uh, bought my first property is you know, the first few months you bought the property and, you know, especially if you're working with an agent, you think, oh, geez, that wasn't so hard. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, tenant gives notice or something, you know, you're, you're tested. And then that's when you, you know, the, the real operation kind of kicks in as far as what to do. So that, that's when we find a lot of people would contact us. You know, someone, there's a vacancy, uh, they find that they're getting in over their heads or overwhelmed and they, they reach out to us for help. Many, I would say, hires right from the start. And these are typically your investors that they're committed to uh, to building a real estate portfolio and they want to focus on the purchasing and uh, the transaction rather than day-to-day management. So that's that's probably the majority, I would say. And then um, 
others tend to hire us when they encounter a major event in their life. And that might be having a baby or a health issue or a new job or, or some big travel plans where they looking after the property becomes a, you know, it's a secondary that the property's given back to them in, in ways that they can, you know, better spend their time in life. And, uh, yeah, and they're happy to pass the management on and get their time back. So those are some typical scenarios that we see, uh, you know, our clients coming over to us. Um, what kind of services then do you get into with management? Is it uh, full service? Do everything for the client? Can you various options there? Or what does it, what does it look like? Again, it is we are a full service management company, so we offer pretty much anything you can think of. Right? Once you acquire that property, you know, they acquire or even the, the during the pre-inspection. So we'll walk through the home inspector and often with our existing clients, we'll, we'll start the process and then that will help them in doing rental comparables for leasing. We do full home renovations. So everything from got a, got a single family home, turn it into a, a duplex or multiplex or turning over large apartment buildings. If you wanted to uh, go unit by unit and kind of rehab that. So we'll, uh, we, we do full home renovation services as well. Uh, of course, routine maintenance and handyman that that's just goes hand in hand with our, our day-to-day service, and then uh, myself as well as an investor, you know, into property development and joint venture investments as well. So. And um, they like what you have to offer, and decide to hire you. What is this next steps from there? How does how does that process look? Yeah, so it's by definition, uh, I'm a property manager. That's what we do. You know, I always like to put a little spin on it and kind of refer to myself more as an investment manager, a property investment manager, where. Um, you know, those in financial planning, they got to sit down and it's, it's called a know your client, uh, information form that they have to do. It's a regulatory thing. Property management in Ontario, I guess, unfortunately, is not regulated, uh, the same way. So, but I, uh, but I still follow a similar process where you want, I want to sit down. I want to get to know the client. What is their, you know, what's, what are their challenges right now? What are they good at? You know, some people like to fix their own things, but they just, they can't interact with tenants. So they don't like to do that. So again, sit down, get to know the client, understand what their needs are, where the property is in its life cycle. And that's something we'll probably get into a bit later. But I always think of property management as a, a picture of clock. And, and you've got, you know, obviously uh, uh, 12 numbers or 12 hours within the clock. And, and each each step is is part of that property management cycle. So that, that's, that would be the first stage, getting to understand them, what where they are in that cycle or where their property is in the cycle. Also trying to understand them as uh, as an individual as well. Like, what is their knowledge with real estate investing? Do they have a vision that they're trying to carry out, or or, or do they need some guidance from you know a fellow investor that that may be beneficial? And then once we determine that, then it's uh, of course getting into some paperwork where we provide them a property management agreement, a new client information sheet, a new property information sheet. Again, to get to know a bit more information about them and the property, and then electronic uh, EFT authorization form. So uh, once we get the process started, that allows us to collect the rent and deposit it into their account for them. And uh, that's that kind of kickstarts the process. Um, again, depending on the situation, uh, we'll meet the clients on site at the property. It's always a nice thing to do, but again, usually those that are calling us, they're either in over their head or they don't have enough time. Sometimes meeting at the property isn't always an option. So you know, sometimes we'll take things on pretty quickly and uh, complete the paperwork within a day and uh, get possession of the property, uh, either go meet the tenants or... Uh, hopefully get keys from the uh, property owner uh, or use a lockbox and just jump right in and introduce yourselves to the tenants and figure out what we need to do to get the property running uh, financially efficient. So. Okay. Now one question that I had for you before we move on from that is with the bills, would they start coming to you or would they still go to the homeowner? And then how does that all work? 
Yeah, so we uh, we do take uh, care of bill payments. There's uh, three bills that that we don't take on, and, and it's something that me as an investor wouldn't uh, wouldn't be comfortable sharing or having passing responsibility. So I kind of create that same rule for a company, and those are uh, the property insurance, the mortgage, and the property taxes. And, and often those bills are, are rather large anyway, so the rent wouldn't always cover them. Um, but those three bills, they stay the responsibility of the property owner, and then things like utilities, if it's an all-inclusive type property or there's a common utility, we'll, uh, uh, we'll handle the payment for that. Um, and anything related to the property as well, whether it be repairs or maintenance and stuff like that. So, so yes, we do bill payments as well. Okay. Okay. All right. So when it comes to placing tenants, how does that look? Yeah. Hands down. It is the, the biggest process in our 12 step process, if you will. And it needs to be, I think for every, uh, every property owner, that's ever filled a tenant or worse, ever, ever had to evict a tenant, you know how important good tenant placement is for your investment. Just a, a bad tenant. That, that's the, you know, the horror stories that we always hear. Um, you know, and frankly, we hear that more often simply because they, they make for better stories than, yeah, I had a tenant that came in, paid rent for, uh, you know, three years straight and moved out and left the place immaculate. And it's just, you don't hear those stories, but, but they do happen a lot more often than, uh, than the bad ones. But of course you can, you can create that success by following a, a good process and making sure you're getting the right tenant. So here, bear with me. I'll, I'll, I'll happily share that process. We, we start right off doing rent ready inspection. So no different if you're selling a property, it needs to be, it needs to be attractive. It has to, it has to, people want to actually live in there. Um, so we go through, we do a rent ready inspection and we're looking for some of the important things, your appliances, um, flooring. So you want to make sure that the, the flooring's in good condition. It's not, you know, dirty and stained carpet. You know, the paint on the wall is it is it neutral or pleasing to the to the general population? Things like that. Is it going to go with people's furniture? Because if they can't see themselves living in there, or, or worse, they can see themselves, you know, bringing their furniture in, eh, they're going to have a hard time bringing to to fill out an application. Things like lighting um, goes a big way. We find when tenants move out, a lot of them they don't bother to replace the light bulbs. Uh, simply, I think the darkness doesn't bother. Some people the same way, but when you're showing a property, if it's dimly lit, it feels less secure. And that's an emotional trigger that you want to uh, eliminate for, uh, for your prospective tenants. So just so make sure the lighting, all the light bulbs are changed and, uh, and well lit. Uh, and your doors and locks, walking in the, you know, when you walk in the door, uh, if the door handle feels loose and, and, and wobbly in your hand, again, it creates a false sense of, uh, uh, insecurity really. So you, you want to make sure that that door feels secure so that the people walking through it also have that same impression of the property. Um, again, continuing inspection, you've got your, your windows and screens. Yeah, people aren't really checking the windows that much, but um, from a health and safety standpoint, if you have young kids, uh, especially you want to make sure the screens are in place from a safety standard. It's something they'll also be looking for when they do move in. Um, your electrical, you want to make sure, again, uh, let's have proper covers on them and all that stuff. Uh, and matching covers as well that aren't all painted over. That's a common problem is, uh, you know, you see different, well, the outlets look like different, uh, different colors because all the painted over and, and it just, it's unsightly. It sets off the property the wrong way. Uh, of course, your bathrooms and kitchens, those are, are big parts where, especially uh, the ladies, they, they, they appreciate a, a clean bath. Um, and then your fire and safety items. Again, these aren't things that people are going to check for, but, uh, you know, as landlords, uh, we need to be responsible for that and make sure your smoke detectors and handrails and stuff like that are all in working order and secure. And uh, really, the, the litmus test is just uh, ask yourself, would you rent this property in its existing condition? So that's that, that's our, our 
our first step is that rent-ready inspection. Uh, I'm actually sorry, with that, we also do uh, an 81-point cleaning checklist. So we go through the house and we're talking windowsills, baseboards, ovens, appliances, um, you name it, we're, we're, we're covering it. And, and we go through, and we actually have a physical checklist that we do. This sort of ties into the marketing as well. So one, we want to make sure we're being, sure we're being very thorough, but we also complete that checklist and we leave it on the kitchen counter so that when we're doing a walkthrough, well, people always come into the kitchen and they, they look at the cleaning checklist on there and they see that, oh, wow, okay, and these guys covered a lot of detail and they appreciate that, right? Because not a lot of, not a lot of landlords do that to that level of detail. Maybe a tenant can't exactly pinpoint what they don't like about the property. Chances are, if it's not clean, that is definitely one of those uh, contributing factors. So, you know, good thorough inspection is, is is always your first start. Based on that, you're going to have different things that are going to come up that you're going to need to do some maintenance on. So, so uh, second stage of that rental process would be maintenance, and then from there we get into the marketing. Again, we we, we like to break things down. I'm, I'm a process kind of guy. Um, if you haven't figured that out already, and you're certainly going to hear as I, I go through this, but uh, marketing we follow a seven-step process, and in that you've got new photos. That's a big part too. Is there's always a time in the property when it's it's freshly painted, when it's clean, and you're able to get good photos. Then then great, that's good. Often when you first purchase it, maybe a good time when you can get uh, those ideal photos. Uh, maybe you want to do a walkthrough video as well. Very easy to do in today's day and age with you know, all of our cell phones are make that quite easy. It doesn't have to be long. You know, it's not you know anything over probably 90 seconds. Anything much longer than that and you're, you're probably going to lose most of your audience, but um, yeah. just make it quick, and it gives them a good idea to see what the home's about. Part of the marketing process would also be rental market comparables. So, you know, we fill 15, 20 uh, vacancies a month. We, you know, we might fill one right around the corner from a, a single-family townhome that we're going to be filling a few weeks later, but we always, always, always pull rental market comparables. One, it's a great way of keeping in touch with the market. You want to see what your neighbors are up to, you want to see where the the prices are going, and, and you never want to be complacent. I, I see a lot of landlords. Um, well, I'm sure Sandy, uh, you see that, Rob, you as well would see that. You walk into properties and think, why are they renting it for so low? Chances are they haven't been keeping up with rental market comparables, and they don't realize that they can actually get an extra two hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and so that's that's an important part. Um, we uh, also like to you know map search or. Uh, we like to use walkscore.com. It's a great website for checking out the uh, the area, right? So some people that are, are moving, actually a lot of renters are, are new to the area, so they don't know things like you know libraries, coffee shops, uh, grocery stores, that kind of stuff. They want to know what's in the area, um, schools, parks. And walkscore.com is a, a very easy way for landlords to to show the showcase the area. Um, and then uh, once you have your so your some of the marketing material in hand, it's time to sit down and write a great rental ad. Um, and, you know, by again, having the good photos, um, doing the comparables and knowing what's in the area, you've got a lot of good material already that you can now use to sit down and write that ad and list the, the benefits of the property, not just the features. And uh, by that, I mean things like the, uh, the dishwasher. You know, the property's got a dishwasher. It's great. Everybody likes them. What's the benefit to having that dishwasher? And, you know, just imagine the freedom of never having to do dishes again. Uh, it'll spend time with the family or that, that kind of stuff. So it's, you have to spell it out as to well, why having a dishwasher, why having an in-suite laundry, why having dedicated parking, you know, is a benefit to them. You sit down, you list the features, take some time, explain what the benefits of those features are in your ad. And, and it goes a long way for, uh, 
for helping the prospective tenants paint a picture of of how great this home is and why they want to live in it. So it gets the emotions uh, going, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to get those emotional triggers going, and uh, and and really just take the time to to write a great ad to distinguish yourself from possibly your neighbor who's who's has the exact same property that to rent. But I find you know just taking that little extra time and kind of following a similar formula to what I'm describing here, it really doesn't take much. If you do market comparables, the beauty of that too is you get to see what everybody else is writing about. And uh, you know I'm always disappointed. Uh, and I guess somewhat fortunate because it makes our job easier to see how little time people spend on showcasing their property. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll spend uh, tens of thousands of dollars to acquire it. Um, again, that property will generate tens of thousands of dollars in return year over year. You know, take 45 minutes, write a great ad. You can use it time and time again. Everything With a great ad comes a great headline and, and, and there's certain copywriting skills involved, but it's an important thing. And then once you have that ad written, it's time to get it online. Um, in Hamilton, we found Kijiji over the last few years has been the, the dominant uh, website for, for placement. But depending on your area, you want to go on and, and just do, you know, uh, homes for rent and type in the city that you're, you're in and, and look at Google. It'll pop up your, your 10 most common areas that people are looking for. And obviously whatever hits number one, that's where you want to be. Number two, three, four, and five are, are also very close considerations. So always, and Google's always changing. So you want to keep current on that, much like rental market comparables. Stay on top of the advertising, um, you know, where people are looking. Um, I think things like Rent Compass is, is kind of one of those great mobile search functions and pad mappers, another one. So uh, you want to stay current on that kind of stuff. And then uh, the tried and true lawn sign, pointer signs. Anyway, should I just keep going here, guys? I got. Uh, well, you're making our job easy, so yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> we, we so we place the ad, and we're waiting for people to call now, right? Exactly. Yep. So you're sitting by the phone or the email, and uh, and again, you can also persuade people as to what your preferred method of of communication is. So if you're, you know, if you're you're not an email person and you prefer to do uh, handle all the phone calls and. and a big important thing, you have the ability to sit there and take the phone calls, then say so. You know, say, hey, we prefer you give me a call or, or preferred time is uh, call me between this time and this time. You know, naturally, as a property management business, we're always available. We have a toll-free number 24 hours a day. You know, obviously, during after hours, leave us a message. And then completing your showing. So kind of call it pre-staging, I guess. So one thing we always do is we have a gift basket. We call it a welcome basket for all of our tenants. And it's something we include right in our advertising. If it is vacant, it sits right on the kitchen counter. It may be a $50 value, but it's it's something that, again, sets you apart from most other landlords that can't take the time to write a great ad. Well, they're certainly not taking the time to buy a gift basket for their tenants. Anyway, so you get the, the phone rings. Um, this is where you start your screening. And, and again, great tenant placement. It's, I always refer to it as fishing, right? If you, if you want to, if you want to catch the right fish, you got to use the right, uh, lures or the right bait. Um, that's your marketing. Great marketing is going to do that. Then there becomes that filtering process. You're starting to capture leads and people are calling you. Now you want to start making sure that you're, you're working with the right people or you're attract, you know, so you respond to your inquiries and, and just to give the listeners an idea, that's probably, you're probably looking at about five to 20 a day. And that might be a combination of phone uh, and email. If your advertising's working well in, in a good market in the wintertime, of course, that's going to be on the lower end. This time of year, you're definitely going to be on the higher end of the 20. You know, if you're only getting maybe one or two, eh, okay, you want to start looking at uh, some greater exposure or, or or something's not quite right. Anyway, so you've got your your calls coming in. Uh, you, once you respond, we always do uh, five main screening questions. 
know, so what's the number uh, of expected occupants and the age for each of them? So we want to know who's moving into the property and, and, and what are the age? So if there's five people and it happens to be, uh, you know, a two-year-old, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and then, uh, you know, um, you know, two forty somethings. Well, okay, you've got a family moving in, but if it's five people and they all happen to be in their early twenties, and eh, completely different demographics, so you want to know that. So, the number of uh, occupants and the age for each of them. When's your preferred move-in date? So, when, when you want to move in? Because sometimes you have people like, oh, I'm looking for the fall. I'm like, that's four months away from now. I'm, I'm not prepared to wait that long. So, you want to find that out before you uh, you drive out to the property to show them. Or better yet, you put them on a uh, waiting list, and maybe you have another property that comes up, and you call them when the time's right. The number of vehicles, number of pets, and the reason for leaving your current location. And we don't ask, do you have a vehicle? And we certainly don't ask, do you have any pets? We just assume that you do. So how many pets do you have? Yeah. You know, and, and this is a big one for a lot of people is they don't, they say, they, they say, oh, right out front, no pets, no pets. Nope, I don't want any pets. That would be, it would go against my advice. One, we had... We work with a client who, who was adamant, no pets, no pets, no pets. He said, okay, we understand, we respect the decision. Um, however, you know, for the advertising, we're, we're not going to say that in the advertising. So sure enough, we had great response from the ad. We had uh, the first showing, we had 10 people, 10 different groups of people show up. Nine out of those 10 people all had pets, and four of them submitted an application. And sure enough, the owner decided, yep, I really like this couple. Let's go ahead and, and yeah, they have a small, small dog or something. And, and he changed his mind. But had he have said no pets, what do you think the response would have been that first night? One person show up. Yeah. They didn't submit an application. You go, Oh boy, what's going on with the property? So, so don't put too many obstacles in front of yourself before you even have a chance to see the market because you, you can turn away a lot of good potential people just by screening their pets. So, so you want to, you want to be open-minded on that. Um, and then if you really want to screen and you want to get into uh, more information, you can, you can try to determine their source of income. Do they have a job? Are they government assistance, you know, living off pension, what kind of income? So source of income, uh, total monthly household. So how much you bring per month? That's, that's all relevant. Um, and then, uh, and that's something you may just wait for the application. Cause again, you don't want to grill them with too many questions over the phone because, well, again, they might not be prepared to answer them, uh, or worse, by email, they, um, yeah, they might just figure out it's, it's too much work and they'll answer the next landlord that's waiting for them. It depends on the time of year. So winter time, we're we're a little we want to get people into the property in the summertime. Yeah, you can you can be a little bit more uh, a little bit more of an interrogator, I suppose. And, and we still have lots of leads to choose from. So that's um, that is the the marketing process. That's the, the sort of the initial upfront screening. As you're doing all that, as you're you're getting views on your ads, as you're taking your phone calls, your emails, that kind of stuff. You want to track all that. You want to keep, you know, you want to understand, okay, how many people are calling you? A big thing would be to keep an eye on, okay, how many bookings do you have? So again, to give people sort of a general idea, you may have a uh, hundred people view the ad. Um, out of that, you'll have about, and these are loose numbers depending on your property, the area, time of year and stuff like that. But out of those hundred people that see your ad, 50 of them may respond. And out of those 50 that respond, again, often they're coming through email or voicemail, then if you call them back, you know, three seconds later, it doesn't matter. We've tested this 10 different ways. 50% of those people you'll never hear from. 
So again, you got a hundred people that have viewed the ad, 50 of them have called you, 25 of them are just gone. They're just going to disappear. They're interested. Something's changed. They're gone. I find that, um, sorry to interrupt there, I find that a lot of times people will ask the most unnecessary question, which is, is this still available? (laughs) So, I mean, really, because that's just one extra communication that's not required. You just say, hey, I would like to come see this. If it's not available, I'll let you know, right? So, is this still available? Then you say yes, and then you never hear from them again. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never quite figured that one out myself, Rob, but a uh, good point. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not such a good point, just uh, something I've noticed. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, we find that a lot of uh, a lot of people are, you know, if they're, uh, they're you know, a lot of listeners, if they're, they're doing their own management, you know, it, it's hard. You, you don't know, especially if it's your first time and you don't know, uh, is, this, is this normal? Am I doing something right. wrong? Is, is this a, a good response? Is it a bad response? You know, that, that type of stuff. So... So I struggled with it for a while and then, you know, figured, okay, how do I get those, why are 50% of people just disappearing? What, you know, what am I doing wrong? And over the years, I just learned that that's just the number and just let them go and focus on those that are, that want your attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And by tracking those results. So let's say you're down to now 25 people to deal with out of that, that group of, of a hundred that initially saw your ad from that 25, you're going to get, say you're able to work out times and everything else. And you book, say 12 of those people. And then 12 of those people will, it's not uncommon to have around a 50% uh, no-show rate. That's fairly typical. But you want to see how, if that no-show rate really starts to climb, and 50% is probably a little bit on the high side, especially if it's a single-family home and it's much lower. What you want to do is, is you always ask people to call you an hour before. You know, People get busy, and, and if those people do call you that hour before, and then they don't show up, you want to have a good look at the property. Is it in the right area? Um, well, you're not going to change the neighborhood. So that's, you know, you can use things like, again, walk score to highlight the benefits of the area. Um, but what's your curb appeal like? You know, a lot of people, a lot of landlords are, are probably more guilty than some of not taking care of the outside of the property the same way they would if it was their own home. And if you've got bad curb appeal, it's going to really increase that no-show rate. So things like, you know, throwing down some bark chips and uh, you know, mention lawns cut and garbage is picked up and it's got good curbside appeal. It is a big thing to, to factor because a lot of people will spend hundreds of dollars in advertising, but forget to spend a hundred dollars to have a landscaper come through and clean up the yard and, and, you know, trim the bushes and all that kind of stuff and, and make it more attractive. And then uh, of course you're getting people into the property. Well, if they're, uh, if they're in the property and they're not, they're not getting applications that we tend to find is a unbalance of value basically. So there's not, they're not seeing the values. So if you're trying to rent the property for, you know, for 1650 for, you know, a nice single family home, but you know, maybe it doesn't have a dishwasher or maybe it doesn't come with appliances or your, or, or, or the kitchen's outdated or the bathroom, you know, hasn't been cleaned properly or, or, you know, or lots of carpeting or things like that. So if it's just outdated, then if, not, if you're not getting the application, it's because once you get them through the door, they're just not seeing the value inside the property. So again, there's things you can do. Maybe it's an awkward size. So maybe staging, improving lighting, painting, you know, go back to that initial checklist and say, okay, would I truly rent this property? And if there's things that are yeah, kind of make you go, ah, I probably should update that. The answer is you probably should because uh, that's what everybody else is thinking. Uh, but don't assume they're going to tell you that. 
especially us as Canadians, where uh, we tend to be a little too nice and, and people will they'll talk with their feet, not with their mouths. They they just they'll say, oh, you know, sorry, it's just not not for me, and they'll leave. Uh, and they won't give you the benefit of saying like, you know, look, buddy, you gotta you gotta get rid of this carpet. It smells uh, like the last dog that lived in here for ten years. So you, you got to look beyond the numbers and figure out, you know, what it is. And uh, once you've gone through and you've okay, you've you've truly cleaned up the property and everything else is good, you've checked your rental market comparables. Yeah, you might be overpriced on the rent, but you want to make sure that's the last thing you're you're looking at dropping. Uh, and again, unfortunately, that's often the first thing that landlords look at. Ah, just be easier. Just drop the rent a hundred bucks and I'll get it rented faster. Yeah. True, you will, but is that really the best use of your uh, your investment dollars and time? So. Anyway, so that's that. That's kind of the marketing uh, process. I hope that answers your question. Uh, other things we get into, obviously, is the the screening and lease signings and stuff like that. And that's uh, well, just out of curiosity, then let's talk about how you would decide whether or not it's time to drop the pro- uh, the price. So you want to look at. I mean, you want to make sure if it's been on the market for for a couple of weeks, especially towards. And it depends on the market, but we always find we get the biggest level of interest around the last week of the month whether that's for people moving in within a week or moving in within be it five or six weeks from now, we find the end of the month tends to get the biggest response. We also find that Mondays tend to be one of the biggest responses. So you want to make sure your, your marketing is working right. Does your rental ad oversell the property? Actually, this is a good point. Good question, Rob. Reread your ad. Does your ad actually deliver on what it says it's offering? You know, if you have a dedicated parking spot, but it happens to be in tandem and the, the tenant that lives in the basement has to jockey your car every time they want, or you know, ask you to move your car every time they want out there, well, then it's not really a dedicated parking spot, you know, and, and then people feel duped. And that's not the impression you want to give them. So we see this for like third floor apartments. People get there and go, oh gosh, and they just don't want to walk up the stairs. So Rather than try to pass the property off to something that it's not, tell them. Like, say, look, this is going to have the third floor, great view and, and everything else. But if you're elderly or you're just, you're just, yeah, one of our editors said, if you're just too lazy to do the stairs, then this perhaps isn't the apartment for you. And, it, and the funny part is, you still get people showing up going, oh my God, it's up there. I'm like, you read the ad, right? Like, it was the first line in the, like, it was pretty much the headline. But it's okay to do that. It's okay to point at the property's flaws, you know. And, and if you have one of those awkwardly sized properties, just do that. We and we we'll do that right in our ads, of course. And just say, here, here's what the property is not. And here's, you know. And if I still have your attention and you're still interested in coming to look at this fabulous property, then read on because here's all the great benefits that that it does offer you. Again, if you're being true in your copywriting, in, in your ad, then those are. That, that's the important first step before you go and decrease your rent. So I guess one of the main re- ways to really tell whether whether or not it's time to do that is look at your ad, make sure that it's accurate. But if you're if it's within that end of the month period that you're talking about and you're not getting the interest in the property, then you might want to consider it after that point. Yeah. So if you're if you're not getting people, like if no one's calling you, you may be. Yeah, you just may be way out of market. So all those things considered, if you're still not getting people to call you, yeah, then you may be overpriced. But instead of dropping your rent, why just pull just pull the rent off the ad? Say, hey, please contact me, and uh, you know we're we're really looking for the the right tenant, and uh, we're willing to negotiate the price. And then that way it gets it, it removes that rental barrier or the rental price, 
and you get people calling you and you'll get some people like low, low balling you, but it's one way of, of eliminating that concern. If you're getting, again, getting a lot of people calling you, but they're just, they're just not showing up. Okay. Curb appeal or, or the area might be one of those issues. And, you know, otherwise is a place, if you're getting them in the door, is it clean? Uh, does it need staging? Does it smell nice? You know, maybe need some air fresheners or, you know, if there was a dog or a cat beforehand, you know, or maybe you just need to renovate and update the interior. That's, you know, had the property for five, six years and you haven't touched it. That's probably a good indication in a, in a fast moving market, especially like Hamilton, that it's, it's time for some TLC and an upgrade. Um, and failing all that, if you're, you're not willing to do it or you, you don't need to, then, uh, yeah, you may have to look at dropping the rent. So. And like you said, here's a little tip from me from what I've been doing is, yeah, at least one third of the people don't show up that you've scheduled in. So I book everybody at the same time. If, I, if I've got, you know, six people that can come on Monday, I'll say come at six o'clock on Monday evening. And then three of them, maybe four of them will show up and I'll book them all at the same time. Because you're right. If you've got four people that are supposed to show up, it's going to be two usually that, that end up coming. Absolutely. That's such a great point because uh, another thing that that does too, is if you have one person walking through the home, getting back to my analogy with the, the door handle and stuff like that, you'll have people walk around. And if it's one person and they have the run of the home, you know, they're going to look at everything, you know, they'll shake the doorknob and they'll look at, you know, are you going to paint that? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? And, and they will pick the place apart and they'll spend half an hour doing it. If you've got three or four people in there and you've created that auction mentality, you know, I, I've seen places where, <laughs> you know, the, the husband walks into the kitchen grabs my attention, starts talking to me while the wife runs upstairs, downstairs, checks the whole place, gives the husband the thumbs up, and he's starting to fill out an application. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's happening in the exact same home. You have one person going through, nope, they, they pick everything apart. You have multiple people, now they don't want to lose the bid uh, or the offer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great point, Rob. Always, always, always try to schedule multiple people at the same time. Okay, so then I guess you're doing a credit check, and uh, now okay, we won't. I guess we won't go too deep into that part. But do most owners want that ultimate decision, or do a lot of them leave it up to you and just say, you know what, I trust you. If it looks good, then let's go forward with that person after you've done your checks. Or do a lot of them want to check their credit checks themselves and give the approval or not? Um, yeah, we always give the owner the final say. Again, we go through. We, we follow a. For multiple reasons. One, we we have such a thorough process in screening. We kind of like to show it off, I suppose. So, so we uh, we put together a, a six page report that uh, that highlights the, you know the findings from our credit check, and uh, you know we, we can't share the credit check with everybody for privacy reasons. But um, you know we do employment checks, uh, landlord reference checks. You know, again, you evaluate the income. Of course, we do the the credit check review, and out of those findings, we want to uh, yeah we, we put together. Again, a six-page report, and we send it off to the owners, and we say, okay, here, based on the following information, uh, we would recommend proceeding or not proceeding with the, the following tenant. Or sometimes there's a, a third option, which is, uh, hey, we recommend moving forward, but yeah, given their tight financial situation, we'd recommend a co-signer. Having that type of transparency and having the owner involved, it, it, it's an important step that we believe. So, uh, And a lot of times our clients just say, yeah, sure, whatever you recommend, go ahead with that. But, but I still think it's very important to be transparent and show, you know, show what we're doing. So, Jeff, what's your thoughts on, uh, this is going to be generalization because it can be situational, of course, but what, what's your thoughts on getting long-term tenants opposed to, you know, shorter-term tenants? Does it matter if like a lot of people think, 
you know, it's fantastic. These tenants are going to be here for four or five years. They sound, they sound great. Is that always, is that good? Is that bad? What do you think about that? Personally, no, I don't think it is. Um, it's simply, you know, for, for those listening in Ontario and, uh, then, then no, it's, it's, it's not. We, uh, with the rent controls we have in place, uh, you, we just find in a busy market, and again, sophisticated investors, uh, which I'm sure most of your, uh, your listeners here are, fall into that category, are, are buying in markets that are appreciating in value faster than the average. The guidelines in, in Ontario is just, with the rent control, it, it just does not move fast enough based on what we've seen in the market. So you have somebody that's in there within for a five-year period, well, chances are you're going to be far below rent, um, market rent, and you know, unless you have a home that was um, turned into a rental unit after, what is it, November 1st, 1991, then you're subject to rent control. So you're going to be far below market, and, um, and then, of course, that's going to, going to hurt you financially. Um, so, Yeah, and I, I know that's exactly what I was looking for for the answer. I knew you'd say that because the other thing is when you're going to sell the home even, you know, a lot of realtors are advertising they're great long-term tenants been there forever and and yeah that's why their rent is like 300 dollars below where it should be and that's why your price of the home now is valued a lot lower yeah yeah and so i look at it as a bad thing in in a lot of cases as well in ontario yeah. at least in ontario yeah yeah exactly um yeah and that's yeah that, that's my take on it um and, and most of our clients as well so okay well um You've placed the tenants in there, and they're great tenants, and you start to move forward with them now. Uh, you spoke about it a bit, the EFT paperwork and, and that kind of thing, but is that what you guys try to do is straight across the board, or how how is the rent collected, and, and how do you get paid? Yep, so um, our we get paid from our monthly management fee. We, we charge a separate leasing fee so for, for finding the tenants. But um, but for the the actual ongoing management, we collect a percentage of the rents, and that'll vary between five and eight percent, depending on the size of the building. The bigger the building, the the lower that percentage would be, as they just offer certain economies of scale. Um, but you know, with it, getting into all that, the the way we collect the rent, multiple different methods. So, according to landlord tenant board, you cannot dictate on specifically how you're going to pay the rent. If the tenant wants to pay in cash, the tenant's allowed to pay the rent in cash. Um, that does not mean you have to go pick it up every month. So you can provide them with an address to pay it. Or my favorite is if they want to pay in cash, and, they're, and not that many people insist on it, but if they do, you say, okay, great. Here's the address of my bank. Please go deposit into this account, and you're more than welcome to pay by cash. Uh, but by and large, I'd say about 95% of our tenant base pays through um, tenant pay. It's a online bill payment system, so... The same way we, you know, you and I would pay our, our cell phone bills or, or utility bills. You go you know, online banking and type in, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, Rogers or, or Bell or Fido, whatever it happens to be, your cell phone provider, and uh, it pops up. You type in your account number and you pay a bill. Well, tenant pays the same thing. You, it allows you to uh, tenants to pay the rent just like they would a bill. And, and it's it's easy for landlords because you don't have to go in and and try to register yourself as a big corporation and to be included as a payee on their, their pre-selected list. So tenant pay is a very convenient way that just gets direct deposited into a specific account. Email money transfers is a great way. Uh, again, for us, if we start getting into high volumes, we just can't have all our tenants pay that way because we 
It's designed for smaller transactions. Direct deposit or direct withdrawal is another way of doing that. There's, there's various services you can use for that. The old-fashioned way, post-dated checks, but sometimes for if you have uh, ODSP clients, which, which will happen in some buildings, then the government pays you directly. So, Okay, so this all goes in through your accounts, and it's tagged, I guess, with which property it's coming from, and then you would send it on to the landlord. That's correct, yeah. So we yeah we receive the rent. Uh, well, hopefully. Sometimes they don't pay. So we receive the rent. We update the tenant ledger. So we're keeping ongoing bookkeeping records for uh, for the tenant as well, obviously, for the owner. Yeah, and then once we, we – so we rental income minus any expenses um, with the remainder – um, minus a certain, we, we have a hold back, so we, we make sure we always keep some funds on account uh, to handle emergency responses for, say, plumbing backups or, uh, you know, appliance repair or any emergencies that come up. So we do keep some of the uh, small slush funds, it's typically $500, on account to respond in emergency situations. But then, uh, yeah, the rest gets remitted to the owner, uh, direct deposit in their account. And then how do you get paid? Um, well, part of those expenses, the monthly expenses, are the management fee, and we just invoice the client uh, based on the rents collected, and that fee is just withheld. So, if you're, for simple math, if the rent's a thousand dollars and uh, and the the management fees uh, area expenses in total are a hundred, then that hundred dollars gets remitted to the owner. Okay, sounds easy. It is, yeah. And then you mentioned it a bit, so you would send a monthly statement to the owner with a ledger, and uh, what else does it show them? Um, yeah, so on that monthly statement, uh, again, it, it is a statement, so we try to give them a, a higher level view, but on there is a summary of the expenses, so again, management fee, maybe there was a, a broken stove or a stove repair or something like that, or um, you know, maybe there's some for multifamily properties, some landscaping or grass cutting or snow removal or something like that. So the statement's broken down, much like you would see your credit card statement. You'd have your uh, opening balance, your rental income on top of that, minus any expenses, minus the amount of that slush fund, which would be you know, typically that $500, depending on the size of your portfolio, uh, and minus the, uh, the amount that's paid out to the owner, and that, that you know, equals your closing balance. So on there, we have well, actually we two things. We, we also have the, the rent roll, which... Here's the rent that you are supposed to collect or, or should be, intend or should be paying. And here's the rent that, that was actually paid. So, you know, in a perfect world, that's always uh, perfectly in balance. Well, it, it's not always the case. So, so it, it has a way of showing any uncollected rents as well. Okay. And what about communication with tenants? How does that work for you? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, multiple ways. So you know, pretty technologically advanced or, or forward thinking anyways, I like to think. You have standard local number, toll-free number, various email addresses, uh, again, individual email addresses, as well as departmental. If you're looking to have uh, tenants or, or calling in for a repair uh, item that they wanted to bring to our attention, um, they could email us, and that's fixit, F-I-X-I-T, so fixit at Cornerstone Select, or if they wanted to get one of our account managers, that's you know PM for property management at you know, cornerstoneselect.ca. So we have that online uh, forms on our website. And they also have a tenant portal. So we've got a, a pretty advanced uh, software system that we use, and tenants can sign into their own private portal. They can pull off rent receipts. They can see uh, their own ledgers. So they can keep track of where they are with their rent payments, of course. Uh, they can put maintenance requests in there, any other forms that they need access to, or do it the old-fashioned way and come in and visit us in the office and uh, 
and reach us that way. Uh, okay. What about maintenance issues? How do you guys work that out? So I guess they've they've went on and they've filled out your 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 forms on your website and then what happens? Yep. So yeah, they've reached us by one of the, the multiple ways they could contact us. So the first step, we, we use a work order system. Uh, we create a work order. So okay, you know, property on 123 Main Street needs uh, um, motion light and the back fire escape is uh, is broken. Um, so we create the work order and um, that's something like that. That's that's a safety item. So we would. Uh, we respond to that one relatively quickly. If it's more of a, uh, a nuisance thing where, you know, the, the, the back gate doesn't latch properly or something that the neighbor's dog gets out or something like that, then, uh, we create a work order and then, uh, an email alert is sent to the property owner uh, automatically to notify them that, Hey, a work order has been created on your property. And, you know, do you wish to approve or, or deny that? And, um, and they can again respond directly through from that email. They can go onto their own, the owner portal, or they can call us and we can discuss it. And determine how we're going to handle that. We have the approved work order. We then dispatch that to the appropriate technicians, whether it be you know, plumbing, electrical, general handyman, or you know, skilled carpenter. Once the work's complete, they then create the invoice that gets posted onto their owner portal as well, onto the account, and paid from rental income. And that's all nicely reflected on the monthly statement. So all of the work was is done in-house? Is that how it works with you? Um, not everything. I would say a majority. Um, I've just found over the years of growing the business that the say good helps hard to find. So, you know, we've, we've tried outsourcing and calling individuals that we find online and the reliability is, is, is rather difficult to nail down. So we found that once we, we find good individuals and we call them on a regular basis, we just bring them on as part of the team. So you know, we've got in-house plumber, electrician, skilled uh, finished carpenters. And then we have things like pest control or, uh, or heavy snow removal and stuff like that, then we'll outsource. But uh, more and more, we bring most of our stuff in-house, just you know, just able to provide a, a better, more affordable service. And probably more efficient as well, like quicker. If, yeah, far more efficient. That's, yeah, our, our, our big challenge, you know, I guess when we are first getting started was just um, getting people to show up. It was just, because there's multiple things to coordinate with. You've got to, you know, you got to post notice on the property and you can only give, you can't say I'll be there at some point within a 30 hour period. You've got to say, you know, post 24 hours notice and say, Hey, I'll be here within, and legally you're only supposed to put a four hour window and you have to be able to show up within that four hours. So if the handyman doesn't show up and then, well, you find out at the time they didn't show up, you've now got to wait another 24 hours to go post that notice to then try again 24 hours later and hope that they show up. So, you can see how this can become a cat and mouse game uh, very quickly. And of course, the entire time the tenant and our owner and or us as a company are getting rather frustrated with the whole process. So key is to effective communication and, uh, and reliability. How do you ensure the property stays well-maintained when you're like, I know there's a lot of situations where tenants don't mention that there's water coming in the basement or even something smaller, like, how do you keep up to date on that? How do you make sure that mentioning things to you and, you know, what if you're going through during a routine inspection and you find a whole bunch of stuff that they've never mentioned and how do you deal with those types of issues? Yeah, it's uh, routine inspections is really the, the answer to that question, Sandy. You tend to have two types of tenants, ones that, that call you about every little thing and those that call you about absolutely nothing, um, even when they should. Uh, routine inspections are are a big part of that, so we'll do for the multifamily properties, we're going to be doing our monthly exteriors all the time, you know, 
checking common areas, checking around the building, making sure fire escapes are free and clear, that kind of stuff. Um, and if you start to see, you know, garbage piling up around one tenant's property, okay, you probably have to get in there a little sooner and make sure that the interior is not looking, you know, worse for wear. And as a minimum, we're also going to do our six-month interior inspections and, and go in and, you know, top to bottom check of the property. We'll increase that time frame if you have a tenant that's not paying or there's a, there's problems and you can typically sense when that that's happening. So, but inspections, you gotta, you gotta keep on top of your properties because, um, your tenants might not always notify you of something wrong. Yeah. And there is two kinds of tenants that call about absolutely nothing. It's the, the ones that the fix everything themselves and the other ones that just let everything go. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what if, let's say you go through and you find that there is an issue, but it, I don't know, it, it's, it's definitely damage caused by that tenant between the last time you did an inspection. So what is your process for something like that? Uh, yeah, so we'd follow pretty much the same process as we would with that work order, maintenance work order process. But uh, first things first, we're going to give the tenant a chance to fix it. And so we'll bring it to their attention. I don't know if I mentioned it earlier on, but when we do the lease signing and the move-in process way back at the beginning, you know, after successful marketing, we do a move-in inspection. So we walk through the property to make sure that, you know, everything's in good condition. Um, but that's twofold. It's also to make sure that we're recording the condition of the property at the time of moving. So when the tenant goes, oh, no, that was there when I moved in. Well, sorry, but here's the inspection report that says it wasn't. So I'm going to need you to fix it. And, and if you can or you won't or, or whatever it happens to be, then we're going to fix it. We're going to bill you for it. So so that's, you know, once they find it, oh, they're going to have to pay for it one way or another. They often try to fix it themselves. And then sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not. And, and a lot of it's going to depend on how that relationship's going, right? So if the teenage daughter has a hole behind the, the door because, you know, she slammed the door and the doorknob went through a wall, uh, you know, because didn't install uh, door stops or something like that, then, you know, but the tenant's been great and they've been in there and, and they're taking good care of the property. You're probably not going to go in there and make a big stink out of it. You could damage the relationship, uh, which has been an otherwise good relationship. But, you know, if they're persistently paying the rent and they're, you know, they're noisy and partying all the time and uh, not taking great care of the property, well, then you certainly want to use that as leverage to make sure you try to get them back on the right track or just let them know that you're not going to tolerate you know, them trashing the property and that you're going to hold them accountable. And, and that accountability goes a long way. They, they, they tend to catch on pretty quickly, and, uh, and hopefully that's, yeah, that's the last time you have to intervene. Okay. So how would you deal with then let's go into late payments? How would you deal with late payments? Um, that's well, that's where uh, the good old landlord tenant board comes in. If rent's not paid, so it's, it's rent's due on the first, period, no rent's or buts. Uh, so rent's due on the first. If it's not paid, then it's uh, N4. N4. What about if they're this? really nice tenants, though, and they've always paid on time and, you know, you want to give them a break? Yeah, well, um, no, that's uh, – that's great. You can, yeah, we like to say we're, we're fair, but firm. So, and again, it's all the way that you word it and the way that you, you handle the process. But if you say like, here's your notice and you're getting out of here because you're two days late. Yeah. Okay. Don't expect a hug. Yeah. But if you're, uh, you know, if you, you send them the notice and with that, we include a cover letter and just say, Hey, if you've already sent your rent payment in, please disregard this notice. And we, uh, we thank you for your rent payment. However, you know, if you, if you haven't, please consider this a friendly reminder and, uh, you know, as we're required by the Residential Tenancies Act, we are giving you this notice. And this is a 14-day notice that, I mean, basically, the tenant board says, 
hey, look, you haven't paid your rent, but don't worry, you still got 14 days to pay it. So, so again, the way that you word it, it's, it's like you can, if you really want to emphasize it and put a spin on it, you could say, hey, look, we're giving you another 14 days, but if you don't pay, then we're going to have to go to the tenant board and, and have a hearing over this. You know, so it's all, but we send out the notice and say, look, the rent is due on the first. And again, it's, it comes down to accountability. So we're going to, we're, we're going to hold you accountable. Um, again, we're fair, but firm and, and to say, hey, please pay your rent. And if not, then, um, you know, I, I guess directly answer your question, Sandy, you don't, you don't need to give them any extra time. You don't say, oh, well, they've been good tenants. So I'll give them a month or, or two weeks because the board gives you, landlord tenant board gives them enough time as it is anyways. So, you know, if you, if you follow the process to a T and some jurisdictions are, are faster or slower than others, you're looking at at least 45 days from the day, day one. So you're late paying rent to you send the N4 form to you, you serve them with the L1 application to you get your notice of hearing and you attend the board and you get an order against their eviction. That whole process is going to take you at least 45 days and you only have one month's rent in hand or in the bank. So, which is of course 30 days or notes. So you're pretty much, if they don't pay you another penny, you're going to be exposed for at least 15 days worth of rent that you may never see. So think of it that way. Any other days you give them, you're just adding to that 15 days of exposure that you're already going to be exposed to just by following the system the way that you have to. So, um, so anyway, I, I would yeah. advise against that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. everybody serve N4s the day after it's late. That's the lesson for today. If you're Absolutely. in Ontario, I suppose. I don't know what the form is anywhere else. Yeah, different by each jurisdiction, but Ontario, yeah, absolutely. There's enough time buffer. You don't need to make it worse on yourself. Okay, cool. Well, obviously, an insane amount of information here. Obviously, there's going to be a bunch of people who are really interested in getting in touch with you. So how would they be able to do that? Yeah, email is probably uh, easiest, most convenient for listeners and my direct email is Jeff, that's J-E-F-F, at cornerstoneselect.ca. Our website is uh, is www.cornerstoneselect.ca. Uh, our phone number, if they want to reach out as well, is, uh, is 1-866-526-1771. And Jeff, do you have, obviously we want to recommend um, everyone does that, especially if you're owning or looking into owning properties in Hamilton GTA area sort of thing. Is there, do you have any resources for people that are maybe managing properties on their own that aren't in this area or they live in BC or Alberta or wherever, and they're looking to get some more info and either they want to do it on their own or, or look into other property management companies. Would you have any advice for them doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, well, the web's full of resources, some of them better than others. Our website in the very immediate and, uh, and coming future here where I'm, I'm, working on a blog post, uh, so I'm going to start sharing some more ideas and thoughts with Gerald, and, and they can sign up for our newsletter as well and uh, and start receiving information that way. Or, yeah, again, if you just send me an email, if I can help you with general information, I, I certainly will, and, uh, uh, and and no obligations that way. It's just, I don't know, it's my way of giving back. You know, it, it didn't seem like too long ago when I was an investor who bought my first property that uh, all of a sudden found, oh, tenants moving out, shoot, what do I do? And, uh, you know, it didn't, felt like I didn't have any anywhere to turn, but you know, if I can offer some clarity for uh, for individuals, um, I'm happy to do that. Okay, great. Perfect. Well, I we have to thank you for coming and spending so much time with us here. 
this is awesome. Just a ton of info and boy, well, we, we, we got into it like I thought we would and I'm learning a lot here for sure. So, and again, for anyone who's interested, just go into the show notes and all Jeff's info is going to be right there so you can get in touch with them. So thank you for being here. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks, yeah, guys. Awesome, Jeff. Thanks. Welcome. Have a good evening. You too. Thank Hi. you, Jeff. Good night.